Now I ask, I, I do take my boys quail hunting once a year. <coughs> Excuse me, for a year, one one or two years, I'd take them to Pat Dye's when he was living over there. And after you go quail hunting with him, then you get a chance to we'd have lunch and talk football. And and one year, I remember he said, Bill, it don't you don't have to have a whole team of of the greatest athletes. He said, but you do need one or two. He said, but you have to have a team if you're going to win. And that was his philosophy on on football was that give me one or two stars and and a great team and I can win. And um, I wonder, does the same apply to baseball? You know, you don't have to have everybody as a star, but if you can get one or two stars, but the rest of them play as a team. Right. Is that same philosophy? Yeah. There's, you know, there's no substitute for talent. You know, I love talent, but the main thing is, is uh, you know, I understand what he's saying, and, and I love Coach Dow. I've had a chance to meet him a couple of times, but, mm -hmm. uh, you know, you just, I know Bill Parcell was talking about Mike, you know, talking about the Chicago Bulls one time, mm -hmm. and he, he made a great analogy, and he said, you know, Dennis Rodman was a great player, so was Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. He said, you know, if uh, Dennis Rodman was the best player on the team, how many championships would he have won? So mm -hmm. you got to have that moral authority. you got to have the talent and the leadership, and I think mm -hmm. that's uh, – but you got to have somebody in that locker room and on the field mm -hmm. directing them with, you know, you know successful experience, mm -hmm. talent, and the moral authority, you know, from a character standpoint, to say, "Hey, wait a minute, this is not the way we do things. Mm -hmm. This is we got to do that." So it starts in the locker room first, and, and then it goes to the field, and then it goes to the games. But mm -hmm. it's kind of all three uh, involved. Yeah. But you can't have too many. You can't have too now when you get too many yeah. uh, superstars or, or too much talent. A lot of times, you know, everybody uh, gets in that Pat Riley, you know, disease of me. You know, I, I want the ball. I'm not right. getting my, you know looks i'm not getting you know my targets you know mm -hmm. the receivers i'm not carrying the ball enough i'm not shooting enough i'm not right. what am i doing batting seventh or eighth because of my yeah. travel team i'll hit one and third you know the mm -hmm. whole summer now coach you got me batting eighth and ninth and that's you know anybody can go out and play you know like my my team and like any other high school coach you know you're putting together you know nine starting positions and, and you may and they may have played on all nine mm -hmm. different travel teams right and they might have hit first or third on every one of them right so somewhere through there somebody's got to hit six of them yeah eight. i tell them that yeah. i said now i don't know who it's going to be so they, yeah. yeah and you see that as you get to the next level too and that's another whole uh conversation but uh -huh. the main thing is is when they're in high school one and three then they get drafted or go to college then they, you know, they got to compete again because yeah. everybody's a first and third hitter in college. Then right. you go to pros, everybody in college was a first and third yeah. hitter. And then you get to the big leagues and, you know, the minor leagues. So it, it weeds out. But it's a tough grind and it's super, yeah. super competitive. So Now, how much on that is a, does a, uh, do you need a team leader? When I, when I play ball, I had, had coaches that would kind of say, I just need somebody in this locker room that will stand up and be a voice in this room to the rest of them. It was almost like be the mediator between me, the adult coach, and right. them. And I didn't understand that then because I just thought, well, there's players and coaches. But as I got older, I realized what he needed was some team leaders. Right. People there that kept the fire going when the coach was out of the room. Sure. Is that is that necessary or needful? There's no doubt. You know, and I tell our guys all the time that, you know, you can tell a lot about our team, you know, or any team is 
you know, this old John Wooden thing, how you leave the locker room, how you leave the dugout when you leave, when the mm-hmm. coach is not around, and how you're practicing when the coach is, number one, are not looking, or yeah. number two, not there. So to answer your question, yeah, you got to have, and I use that moral authority, you know, quote while I go, or term, mm-hmm. but, you, can, you know, to be a leader, though, you got to have some talent, yeah. you know, but you also got to have the character. You know, because yeah. nobody's going to listen to you. You know, if you know you may be the best player on the team ability-wise, and that's the reason I gave the Dennis yeah. Rodman analysis. But if you're out to two or three o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. you know the kids. You know, you're not doing the things off the field. Yeah. But that's the reason that the Michael Jordans and you know the Tom Brady's, you know those kind of people, Derek Jeter's of the world, they did it on the field and off the field. Right. They never were in the limelight or you know about this issue, that issue, yeah. whether it be domestic abuse, drinking drugs, gambling, whatever, right. whatever. You know, you never heard of those guys. Uh-huh. They were so focused and single-minded that everybody knew that they were not only maybe the best player on the team, but mm-hmm. they had the highest character on the team. Yeah, yeah. That's and if you just have the character <clears throat> only, you know, then you get into, uh, you know, morality versus ability. Right, you know, and, yeah, uh, I can see know, that. I don't know how many... Yeah. Uh, Boxes of cookies you sold <laughs> for the Boy Scouts, you know, that ain't going to help you yeah. when the game starts. That's right. Nicest guy on the field, but the problem is, yeah, that, nice. you, you got to have talent. And when those, bo- you know, and the, those pitchers start throwing yeah. and those bodies start, you know, in, in yeah. football, you, you know, you've got to be a competitor. Yeah. You're going to be tough. And, I, you know, I've noticed in my life that the people that really get to the top, they're, they lean to being obsessed with winning at, at both in character and in talent. Uh, you know, you know, we have a mutual friend, Tim Hudson. And I remember one time, right after he stepped into the pros, he was telling me, he said, Bill, my, uh, my family didn't, he said, we didn't have a whole lot. And he said, so I got on the bus over there and I was going when I was on the farm team with all of these players that they could go out and party night and day. He said, if they didn't make it, they could go back and their fathers had some kind of business. They could step right in, they were fine. He said, if I went back, I was going to be working in the mill. And he said, so I couldn't do what they did. I was hungry to have a life. Right. And he said, so my hunger to just be obsessed with baseball and breaking through overrode all of that that pull and temptation to, to go out with the guys and party. Sure. So I guess what, that's probably true of anybody that's going to make it to the top. They yeah. have that. And Tim, you know, was not that big a guy either, so yeah. he had to fight that. Tim was one of my favorite people, and, you know, and I didn't have that safety net. I know he didn't either. Mm-hmm. But, you know, his size and his ability and, uh, you know, his competitiveness just just kept him in, in the game mm-hmm. for a long time, and uh, he's one of my favorite people. So uh, Yeah, and he has that ability like you to he, he switch it off, you know, when he's not there, and then when the – when the time comes, the game's starting. He switches it on, and that right. seems to be the that seems to be the thing I've noticed about every winner that I know. Uh, you know, they're outside of that. You know, they're just as calm and nice and in control. And then as soon as the light goes on or the whistle blows or it's time to play, right? Suddenly, they just went from Jekyll and Hyde. They, exactly. Yeah, I've used that analogy with David. You know, when he took the to lunch to his, you know, and yeah. to his brothers in. Yeah. Elio was there, the general. <clears throat> you know, he wasn't making a big deal about it. Of course, he was talking down to it. But then when he heard that, uh, you know, what Harry was going, yeah. you know, I mean, what Saul was going to give, yeah. you know, to the people or whoever yeah. would go out and fight him. And he said, no, wait a minute. You're yeah. telling me that, you know, I'm going to get this inheritance. Right. I'm going to get, you know, yeah. this. I'm going to get right. that. 
Yeah, uh, I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They like to be challenged, and that's, that's what right. he did. And yeah. yeah, and he and he was going to say, who's going to take care of the, the the Living Bible? Kind of says like this loud mouth who's out here mocking my, my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, and then. You know he's going out there with a rock, but mm-hmm. but he'd rather go out there and fight than allow that to, you know, prevail. Right. And I think he might have dropped the lunch off from my perspective and just left. But then he heard all the things, and then he heard him, like yeah. you said, yeah, like being blasphemous, and then yeah. taunting, and yeah, uh, that's what. And uh, he was like, no, "Wait a minute now." So, you know, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and that's the part. There's got to be. I think that's the thing that within every winner suddenly says. I, something triggered me, you know. Just maybe, maybe it's the start of the game, maybe it's whatever. But that triggered me that I'm, I'm all in right now, and I'm focused on nothing except winning this game or bringing the best I've got. Right. Not leaving anything on that field. Now, when the game is over, you you ought to be almost mentally and physically exhausted because you left it all there. Sure. And. I just may have been obsessed to be average. You know, that's, that's pretty pretty much what I yeah. have uh, used. You know, and a lot of times that can be a fault too because sometimes yeah. you can, t- you know, get super uh, or too competitive and not leave the game there and you take it home and things like that. But, you know, I've tried to, you know, and uh, let the games, you know, yeah. paint a picture or tell the story and then we move on. Yeah, yeah. I'm You've worried. done it. Well, you've done it well, Bobby. You, you really are. You're at the stage now. You and you're an encyclopedia of knowledge on the game. You really could write a book on if I were choosing a baseball player or creating a team or directing coaches. You've got so much experience in all of that. It'd be just a matter of. Well, I don't know about that because it keeps changing. But that's what makes it so unique. You know, like I said, with all the cutbacks and. Uh, you know, with the COVID restrictions and things like this, uh, the landscape is continuously changing, you know, mm-hmm. in, in athletics just like it is in the rest of the world. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're trying to adapt and, uh, you know, and uh, adjust and, yeah. and and find out what works and yeah. know, what we can do because the only thing certain is, you know, a lot of uncertainty yeah. as we move forward. Yeah. Well, the one thing I know about you, Bobby, is you not only, though, built great teams, uh, and became a, a legend, and you left a legacy. But but you build great players. There's more respect from players and from parents that'll say, "I played for Coach Howard," and it and it's just one of the coolest things ever. And so I I just you know I look at that and say that's got to be rewarding in the bigger picture. If you look at it and say, "What what are some of the things I'm most proud of?" And I guess I've just turned that way myself. I'm, I'm sitting there the other week in worship, and I'm watching a whole group of young people there that I had reached their parents, and now the parents had reached them. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking they feel like your grandkids or something. Oh said, yeah, that's the feel you get. How does that feel for you when you see somebody that you say whether they made it in the pros? At least I had a chance to coach them, and maybe they work in a secular field now. But you look at them and you say, you know, I, I'm so proud of them and what they've done. Do you remember yes. when? Yeah, I guess that's the biggest return that I get is is to see them grow up and to be, you know, not only, you know, outstanding students under you, not only outstanding baseball player, but students and then go out in the community and and become outstanding citizens. Once they get out of school or the competitive collegiate baseball uh, or the competitive minor leagues and, you know, and a few make it to the big leagues. So. You know, but uh, the city police, our, our new city police chief, yeah, played with you. He did. There's a number of people around town. Like yeah, that. he did. And 
I was there at his press conference and he acknowledged because he wanted me there. I was there when he was, you know, a captain, uh-huh. you know, major all the way up. Yeah. And uh, his family, they're, they're just great people. But uh, Josh Lester, a couple of years ago, when he was at Missouri, I went over to Birmingham to see him. And his mm-hmm. dad, Jimmy Lester, is a national scout with the Pirates. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's the number one scout they got. Nobody can be signed. But anyway, uh, he... Uh, I walked up and some of the scouts I knew, but he introduced me. He said, you know, this is so-and-so. That's Josh's high school coach. And he mm-hmm. said, you know, the funny thing about it, I ain't thought about it, but he was my high school coach too. So, <laughs> you know, it right, was yeah. both. I had coached to dad and the yeah. son. You know, yeah. And uh, the son's still playing. He's a, he's a triple-A player with the Tigers now. It was all conference, yeah. you know, at uh, All-American at Missouri. So he's still playing. Yeah, that's the thing. You get to – there's a real thrill of being able to say, I knew you win, you know, and – and he said, I saw somebody at this stage, and I look at him today, and and I'm so glad that I I got to see the story instead of just read about it. You got a chance to be a part of that. That's well, you know, and those kind of people, like you know, I was talking about Fred Blackman, now the police chief, and you know, and a lot of people in the community that are still successful. I look back and I tell their parents all the time. I said, you know, these guys sharpened me too. Now yeah, I said, yeah. you know, I mean, it was a, it was not you know top down the whole yeah. time. I mean, these guys would be competitive and, you know, and give me yeah. their insight. And uh, sometimes, you know, I didn't want to hear it, but, you yeah. know, they had, they had great points. They yeah. said, Coach, you need to back off, you know, so-and-so. We don't know this. And, uh, you know, and so I had to, uh, like you said, glean from their knowledge and wisdom, yeah. even though it was 17, 18 years <laughs> old. But, you know, they made valid points and uh, it made me redirect my uh, focus or the way that I was uh, teaching or coaching at that yeah. particular time. Well, there's one thing I can say, Bob. You you finished well. I mean, you you just you haven't, you know, you have left behind a a trail of of good positive things for people to follow, good examples. If I were a coach and I were stepping into it, I, you, I would drive you nuts, asking you questions and wanting to know whether I'd send you videos of games and said, show me what we did wrong. Uh, you've got that kind of knowledge. And, uh, well, I don't think it ever ends. You know, I think it's perpetual. You know, and uh, that's one of my biggest fears is not finishing well. Mm-hmm. Since I'm still back in the arena, you know, I tried, I retired two different times, but uh, I, it didn't work well with me. <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it was a challenge to go to the school where I was at. They had one in 10 years and things like that. A couple of people said, don't go there. You can't win. And I said, you know, no, wait a minute now. We yeah. may not be that good, but don't tell me we can't <laughs> win right. there. That's but the right. thing is, it's how you finish. And, you know, and that's the whole thing. Uh, that is so scripturally and uh, biblical based yeah. is, you know, is, is, uh, you know, not how many wins, you know, or the tradition you leave or, you know, don't worry about leaving a will to your kids as much as leaving a legacy, yeah. you know, along those lines yeah. or a trust fund. And you know, you, so I, I, that's one of my biggest fears is doing something stupid. So, I, yeah. you know, I pray for protection. I said, I've been blessed enough. I just don't want to do anything stupid. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. And we're all capable yeah, of doing that. And that's the devil right. is very, you know, smart scheming in his uh, uh, approach. So. Yeah. And that's the thing. Uh, wrap it up in this way. But your, your faith has been one of the big anchors for your life. And that's been one of the things you're reading the Bible and, and uh, I know, attending church and growing in your faith. That, that, what does your faith mean to you? Well, I think it's that basic uh foundation you know or that compass which is mm-hmm. ethically uh based that you know before you say yes before you say no mm-hmm. you know you you got that uh 
inner voice, you know, somewhere uh, directing you. It's, you know, and, and you've got to have it because if you're not, you know, uh, in the Word, so to speak, you know, and, and when I read the Bible, you know, I try to say, you know, if, you know, if God is my Father, I need to be an obedient child. Mm -hmm. God, I'm one of His children. And, and, right. and, uh, and I just try to live by that, you know, and, and just trying to be disciplined and be a student, like I said, in the baseball, in the leadership, mm -hmm. but in the Scripture, too, where I want to be able to uh, not only live the life, but, I, you know, I want to be able to be, you know, wise, be discerning, mm -hmm. uh, be understanding, you know, uh, of all aspects of uh, any relationship. Yeah. Because yeah. baseball, and I, I tell our guys, oh, it's a small part of our lives, mm -hmm. you know. And I don't coach young baseball players. I coach supposedly young men and young right. boys that happen to choose yeah. to play baseball. Yeah. And, I, and I try to instill that on yeah. all my other coaches that have been around me. Well, that is part three of Bill's conversation with high school baseball coach Bobby Howard. And if you missed part one or part two, make sure you go back to our channel and listen to those, as well as subscribe to the BP Leadership Podcast so that you can stay in the loop and up to date on all the podcasts that we've got coming out moving forward. We're so glad that you guys tuned in. And as always, remember that this is where real leaders are made.